Dudes Talk Sports, hosted by Will Thomas and Chad Tujak. Welcome. Thank you, everybody, for joining us another episode of Dudes Talk Sports. I am your co-host with the most, Will. We, along with Chad. Chad, say hello to the people. Hello, people. That was beautiful. Today, we're going to be talking about fantasy. Uh, it is the night before our annual draft, uh, so we're excited. So we're going to be talking about a few things, some injuries that have happened, fantasy repercussions, and due to those injuries, uh, team positions that you kind of want to avoid, uh, draft stock, uh, both rising and falling. So we're looking forward to getting into this. So let's go and get into uh, some injuries. A big one that hit last week, Darius Geis goes down with an ACL injury, which uh, boded well or boded, bode well for uh, some some of the other running backs. But Samaj Prime goes down with an ankle tweak, which makes way for Chris Thompson. Chad, tell me what you th- uh, you think about Chris Thompson. Oh, I think Chris Thompson's going to be awesome this year. I think Samaj mm-hmm. P. Ryan uh, kind of ate into what Chris Thompson did, but they needed him kind of as an insurance backup. And he was good in limited uh Options last year, not great, um, but not terrible either. Better than option than Fat Rob, a.k.a. Rob Kelly. I don't know which one is his real name anymore because he's just fat and his name is Rob. Fat Rob is so good. I like that one, yeah. Uh, But uh, I think Chris Thompson's going to be great. I think that if we look back to Alex Smith's history with uh, pass-catching backs, Jamal Charles, um, Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware, he loves – uh, Trakandrick West, he loves passing the ball, dinking and dunking. He loves having that wheel route option available to him. And even just like a chip and a quick turnaround, he'll throw that probably like three times out of ten. So I think mm-hmm. that Chris Thompson coming back, his his issue coming out of FSU was his size. And I think that's still an issue for him now. However, he showed two years ago that he is an absolute monster in space. Yes. And he is, he is hard to bring down. Especially in PPR standards too because, I mean – not only does can he run between the tackles, he can run outside the tackles, he can catch the ball, he can line up anywhere, he can line up in the slot, he can line up, he can flex out, he can do anything he really wants to. So durability is his question mark, like you said. Yeah, I think his um, value his value will come in PPR leagues. Will he'll go like maybe six for a hundred uh, mm-hmm. receiving, but rushing he's not a guy that's going to get the carries and you know inside the five. So those are going to get probably snaked by Rob Kelly or Samaj P. Ryan when he comes back. Sure. So uh, moving on, that that was really the finite fantasy injury that kind of affected recently. I want to go into injuries that kind of make you worry that, you know, the teams are kind of trying to quelch the fires and saying, oh, this this isn't terrible. It's nothing. We're not just going to not withhold this player for the entire year, but still stuff that kind of lingers around. Jarek McKinnon with his calf injury. How do you feel that's actually going to affect him? Jarek McKinnon or the team? I think the team, it affects a team in a way that they may be a little bit less dynamic because, uh-huh. as you know, they run a 21 personnel, so they usually run two running back schemes. Um, sure. So Jarek McKinnon's like a perfect player in NFL schemes, size and speed-wise, to replicate what Devonta Freeman's doing. Um, mm-hmm. I think by picking up Alfred Morris, it makes him a little bit more one-dimensional. Matt Breida was uh, drafted last year in an attempt to kind of get the Tevin Coleman role going, but hasn't taken off. So I think uh-huh. they become a little bit more one-dimensional beginning of the season, and I think that while Alfred Morris gets all those carries within the five until Jerick McKinnon gets healthy, they'll be running out of the 11 personnel. And everybody knows the 11 personnel are a little bit more predictable, but I still yeah. think that they're a great fantasy team. Well, I mean, that's all the, the primarily the Packers ran out of last the last few years, just nothing but eleven. So I agree, it kind of makes you more predictable. I think Jarek McKinnon's fantasy value does it does it affect his draft stock? I mean, calf injuries are n- nothing to you know kind of sneeze at. This is something that can kind of flare up. I know he's had injury history throughout his years in, in Minnesota. So do you think this kind of affects his his usage? Does it make him more limited? And does it also affect his draft stock? So I think that when you see an injury, it actually is more scary to me than a suspension. I'd rather see yeah. a two-week suspension than a mm-hmm. calf injury that'll sideline you for two weeks because they kind of linger. If it was yeah. me and I'm drafting, and I think Jarek McKinnon's ADP is somewhere in the 40s, 
Um, mm-hmm. I would probably go with a Derrick Henry instead of Jerick McKinnon at this point. Even though Jerick sure. McKinnon's ceiling is so high for durability reasons, for him, I probably would just go to Derrick Henry, who is a little bit more stable. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, so moving on, Rashad Penny with his uh, his little baby pinky or baby finger surgery. Uh, I know that's a, that's a huge thing for running backs. I mean, that, your wrist. I mean, David Johnson lost all last year. Uh, within the first half of the game, in the first, uh, the actual first game, with a wrist injury, Rashad Penny's going down with a, a finger surgery. Uh, I know that they said he'd be willing to, or he's able to play come the regular season. But with all the fanfare that Chris Carson is getting, does Rashad Penny's draft stock continue to fall? And if so, where do you f- kind of view him as a, a luxury pick at well, that point? Well, I mean, you know, until the Seahawks drafted Rashad Penny, I, I wasn't too bullish on him being an NFL starter this year, anyways. Sure. Um, They said that if they didn't trade back to draft him, they still would have drafted him. And I find that so hard to believe. But, um, you know, for a rookie running back, it's so hard to learn the blocking schemes and assignments. And with their cheese grater offensive line, um, Mm -hmm. or Swiss cheese, I think is the term. Yeah, Swiss cheese, yeah. I think it's going to be a huge learning curve for him. I think he's going to have a lot of things that he needs to learn. He's going to be sidelined. I think he won't get some quality starts maybe until midseason. I think that uh, Chris Carson really, like, runs that show. Uh, mm-hmm. for a little while, um, and, and then we'll see Rashad Penny as he gets healthy, as he starts. Because, you know, learning the offensive language and then learning the cause of the line and then also having a broken finger is just so much to deal with. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So moving on to, uh, speaking of cheese, moving on to Jamal Williams. Last night against the Steelers, looked phenomenal, uh, but then also in pass protection, tweaked his ankle, ended up limping off the field under his own weight. It wasn't a bad limp. Uh, but with his running style, I mean, like him, Samaja Perrine, I hate seeing ankle injuries regarding like players, running backs who have that kind of physical running stature where they're, they're, there's no must, no fuss. They're just straight ahead. They make all the, you know, all the, the nice jump cuts, but what not like no wasted movement. And they just kind of brush off arm tackles. They, then they invite the contact. Um, so I, I don't like him having an ankle injury, especially when I thought he was going to be uh, pretty much the bell cow for the Packers this well, year. So, I know yeah, Aaron a, lot Jones, of people, a lot of people are saying that Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are going to be bell cows. How did we forget so quickly about, Ty Montgomery. Well, that's why I, I'll get to that in a second. But with with Jamal Williams, he's kind of he's the best all around running back that we had. I thought Aaron um, Jones was way more explosive than Jamal Charles. No, I, no, I, no. Yeah, well, Jamal Charles. Yeah, because Jamal I mean, Charles sorry, is nine Aaron years Jones, old. Sorry, Aaron yeah. Jones. No, I, Aaron Jones. Jamal I Williams, Aaron Jones. Um, no, Jamal. Yeah, by and large, Aaron Jones is the most explosive. And I think Aaron Jones is the most natural runner of the two or of of, of all of them. But I think Jamal Williams, what he offers uh, in terms of picking up consistent yardage uh as well as he's able to you know catch the ball out of the backfield as well as he's our best pass protector i think he's our best all-around running back that he was going to be in a lot more so than the other two i think aaron jones he's coming off a hamstring injury he practiced uh last week at, during training camp so he's, he's coming back enough to at least practice they withheld him from the steelers game uh just because hamstring injuries he's had issues with them beforehand especially throughout college with uh lower leg injuries um but i think he's on the the verge of being healthy which is good um, but Jamal Williams, I, I hate seeing an ankle injury just because, again, that, that really limits his movement. He's already he's explosive enough, but he's more of a one-cut, get-up-and-go kind of back. He's not going to make a lot of stuff happen uh, in space. So I hate seeing that. Rex Burkhead goes down with a slight knee tear. They're Now they're waving it off as nothing detrimental, but I don't like hearing slight knee tear. What do you think about that? So I think for a fantasy stock, Rex Burkhead and any Patriots running back ever in the history of Patriots running backs are unreliable. I would yes. stay away from the backfield unless you're in like the 15th or 14th round, and you know for some reason James White's still there. Rex Perkhead might be worth a pick 
after the eighth round just because he is so dynamic and he's a really good player. Mm. But any time anything, your body's torn. I feel like it's just not a good sign. So I think that he sits and he waits. Last year they showed that they were patient with him all year. He really didn't play until he got to the playoffs and where mm-hmm. he shined. He really did shine. Um, I just kind of avoid that situation altogether personally for me. No, I agree. I kind of going back to uh, speaking of running backs that you kind of are running back cores that you kind of want to stay away from. Going back to Ty Montgomery, um, the reason why I, th- I mean, a lot of people write him off and forget about him. Yeah, last year, uh, between the first two games, no running back had more touches, both pass catching and both actually getting the rock to run it. Um, but with Ty Montgomery's, even when he was at wide receiver, his his durability has always been his issue. Um, and I called it. I said amongst the first two games, everyone was blowing up about Ty. Oh, he was a great fourth to fifth round pick. This is a great investment. Uh, everybody who had him, good for you. But I knew that the durability was going to come around the corner because if he did wasn't it, or if he wasn't holding up at wide receiver, man, going between those tackles, which he proved that he can do, he's not going to hold up there. And so I so think it, that right now, does he start the season as a starter? Is he? Where, I mean, where right. does he lose the by through injury? Because I mean, I know Aaron. Uh, Aaron Jones is suspended for the first two weeks, so it's just him Correct. and Jamal Charles for the first two yep. weeks. So or Jamal, Jamal, Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams, Jamal Bill, okay? Yeah, so, Jamal Bill, um, J Bill, J Bill. So who's the starter there in, in Green I Bay? I think I, I think you you nailed it. I think it's Ty. Uh, I I don't know again the severity of Jamal Williams' ankle injury. I think that they're waving Jamal, again, Jamal much Bill, like, right? Jamal Bill. Yeah, Jamal J Bill. Yeah, J-Bill. sorry, J Bill's <laughs> injury. Uh, I think they're waving it off just like every other team's waving off their other you know primary player injuries like oh it's not a big deal but you never know with ankle injuries I don't know it didn't look like a high ankle sprain which is good uh, but with somebody with more of a bruising running style you never like seeing that um, you don't like seeing that to begin with but I think Ty ends up being the starter and I think Ty has proven that he can be the starter I just don't know about him getting the full lion's share of reps I think you can you can keep him in there because he can run out of the 11 he can run draws he can run screens uh, he can run you know swing he can do anything it's just can he stay healthy that's the big thing and right now he's healthy which is good uh, so flipping gears, going over to Antonio Brown with his lingering quad injury. Uh, he didn't play last night. Neither did Ben Roethlisberger against the Packers. Uh, I've seen, I'm seeing some uh, some mock drafts where he's ended up falling. You know, towards the uh, the the second half of the first round. Are you good with this? Good because oh, in a so lot of are. my drafts, my pick is in the second half of the first round, and I would love to have Antonio. <laughs> Brown. So I, I don't know if anyone follows Antonio Brown on social media, but this guy trains, preps, and takes care of his body like no other. You know, the guy stretches his toes every morning. So, so do I. Uh, the image, the image, the image is vivid. So, um, <laughs> so Big Ben. I mean, I don't. I'm not very bullish on him. But if he's not playing, I don't think that Antonio Brown gets the quality passes, looks, targets that he he needs. So, I think actually both those guys go hand in hand. We saw with Michael Vick and Landry Jones. It's just not the same with that Big Ben. So, um, I think that downgrading Antonio Brown's fine, and I would love to have him there as long as Big Ben's healthy. Because I know Antonio Brown, he is going to get his. He's going to get out on that field. He's going to be. Oh awesome, sure. Yeah. No, I think uh, he, he produced with Michael Vick. I know it wasn't you know of legendary status like normal, but he still produced. I uh, like you said with Rossberger um, still being out with a. I know he just cleared the uh, the concussion protocol, which is good. Um, but I think with the, at the drop of a dime, especially with Rossberger proving the last few years that 
you know, he's a sneeze away from, you know, tearing an ACL possibly or just, you know, anything little like that. He, he's, he's very injury prone at this point just because he takes a lot of contact, just like old prize fighters who are known for their jaw. You know, if you take so many punches, eventually that jawline's going to go see you and no longer be there. Um, so with Rossberger, he's taken a lot of punishment throughout his entire uh, career. So I think that he's just a little bit more detrimental to or a little more uh, probable to being injured. So if he's out, Antonio Brown t- uh, stock takes an even further hit. But I'm totally fine with him falling towards the latter half of the first. Uh, but speaking of people that were in the latter half of the first, Saquon Barkley jumped up after his first preseason game against the Browns, but has been withheld throughout training camp this week uh, with a leg injury. Do you think he falls a little bit more? Is he no longer up around that four-ish region, or does he just continue to uh, fall a little bit later in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I think you had him graded out as number eight. I had him graded out as number seven in our mm-hmm. – uh, so we have a top 100 draft uh, staff draft fantasy picks over at uh, dudes-talk-sports.com. Uh, we have a yeah. top 100 fantasy picks. In. I think Shameless it, plug. Shameless, shameless plug. plug, yeah. So uh, for that um, – you had him at eight. I had him at seven. I think he stays right there. You had him mm-hmm. below OBJ. I actually have him above OBJ, and I nice. still have him above OBJ just because he catches the ball. And, you know, in the last three years that OBJ has been so prolific, they have not mm-hmm. had a run game. So those passes sure. inside the five-yard line instead of fake running it with Shane Vereen and then passing it to somebody else, yeah. it's actually going to go to Saquon Barkley now. So I think that well, – think- I think that we both – it's important to note that we both had him around that region before the Browns game. Now, now, like now, after I saw that, where he made every single Browns uh, DB look kind of silly. Oh, I mean, the I, NFL I, has been making every Browns DB look silly yeah, yeah. for the last three, 10 years. No, I, I'm firmly fine with him being at least the top four running back right now for me. Uh, I think he he's up in the first half. Okay, round, so yeah, that's fine. So then, for me. so then you put him above Zeke and Alvin Kamara. Uh, I put him on par with Zeke above Kamara. Yes, I do. I do. It's. I think that. Um, See, I like don't think said, that Zeke is. I don't think that Zeke is as dynamic as Alvin Kamara. He doesn't catch that many passes. I mean, they don't pass him the ball that much. But no, I don't think he's as dynamic. But I think the workload that he's about to get now that the wide receiver core is no longer is Des free and that pretty much Cole Beasley. I mean, I know they got the guy from the uh, the Jags, but or with Cole Beasley being one of your more elder statesmen amongst the wide receivers, I think that Zeke's in for a huge year of, of contact and touches. So I, I like the opportunity there more so than the dynamic ability of Kamara. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I just know that Kamara's going to be toting that rock. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's going to be toting. He's going to be catching. He's going to be lining up at slot. He's going to be doing anything that you want for Drew Brees. So he's definitely going to be a guy that's going to rack up a whole bunch of points during those first four games that Mark Ingram's out. Um, so that's pretty much affects our injury our injury list that we want to kind of keep be very mindful of uh, whose draft stock is affected, who who fell, who rose with it, um, and as well as the backups who who kind of supersede those starters if something happens and they continue to go down. Uh, I want to talk about team positions to avoid. Now, when I say that, I mean like the illustrious core of the wide receivers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Chad, who, what position group? Per team, or not, I wouldn't say per team, but what position group on a team is one that you typically have a lot of question marks on that you want to avoid? So wide receivers or running backs? Uh, let's go wide receivers starting so off. So wide receivers, actually, I'm just going to go and circle around back your pony over here in Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of puns there, so just. <laughs> um, so I don't think they have a, I don't have a lot of faith in Dak Prescott as a passer. Uh, he regressed last year. I think he continues to regress as an offensive line 
kind of gets exposed with injuries. And uh, without Zeke, it just wasn't a very good show there. They didn't put on a very good show over there in Dallas. So I think that uh, Alan Hearns, Cole Beasley, Terrence Mitchell, not convincing to me at all as a daunting group of pass catchers. I love Alan Hearns. I think he's great. He's not fast. He doesn't look like a natural runner. Um, mm-hmm. He just has some good hands and he happens to be open. If he can catch passes from Blake Bortles, though, and touchdowns from Blake Bortles and get paid from Blake Bortles' uh, right paw, then maybe he'll show me something different in Dallas. But that's the main position group that I'm avoiding in wide receivers this year. What about you, buddy? What about what about run- actually? What about running backs? If you're looking at running backs per team, who 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 are you kind of more hesitant to draft? Because there's a lot of them out there for me. I mean, you go with the Dolphins running backs. I know they have some heavy hitters with Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake, but I mean, you look at them. You look at the Jets. Who's who's a team that you're looking to stay away from running backs wise? At least high. Uh, you can take a flyer later, but well, high uh, high to mid rounds. Yeah. So surprisingly, I am avoiding which people you know probably are going to be surprised by i'm avoiding the raiders backfield um i I don't think marshawn lynch you know he got a lot of he got more than like he got plus 19 carries in the last five games last year and he did Mm -hmm. fine last year uh at the back end of the season but throughout the season he he didn't get very many looks i know it was a bad offense for most of the year but he's old he suffers from back spasms i don't think doug martin pans out as well as they want him to and I think mm-hmm. that most of those backs should not go before the sixth or seventh round. And then last year, I wasn't bullish on Marshall unless people are drafting him in the third round. I thought that was crazy, crazy talk. Yeah. Whereas in Converse, people are down on the Texans running backs. I think Lamar Miller is going to be great this year. Uh, sure. I don't think he's got a lot of competition ahead of him. I think mm-hmm. that uh, even teams that had historically bad run games like the Lions, I think Amir Abdullah and Theo Riddick could have a lot of value in PPR leagues. Mm-hmm. Um and, yeah, I mean, even the Jets, I still think, are better. I think Bilal Powell is better over there than, uh, than Marshawn Lynch this year, especially in PBR leagues. I mean, he showed us that he's a, he's a stat back, but he can still run through some tackles. Yeah, and I, I like what you said about the Lions, too. Lions, I'm staying away from – I love their running back field. I love the running back position group, but as a fan more so because, I mean, they have Amir Abdullah, they have Theo Riddick, they have LeGarrette Blunt, they have the second-round pick, on Johnson, who's who's looked amazing throughout preseason, but you don't know which one's going to hit. I know Amir Abdullah's probably, honestly, maybe trade bait. Who knows? Um, but I think with you having LeGarrette Blunt as a proven bell cow, you have on Johnson, who was a bell cow at Auburn but suffered from shoulder injuries, but who can do it all. Uh, Theo Riddick, Mr. Third Down. Amir Abdullah, the, the enigmatic running back who's, who's always lights out during preseason and lights lights on during the regular season. Um, that's a that's a backfield that's going to be weird to me. I'm going to stay away from the Jets' backfield, too. I love Isaiah Crowell in there and getting the bulk of the carries. But with him, Thomas Rawls, uh, Bilal Powell is pretty much going to get the, the third down. Uh, but with him and Rawls, I don't know who's going to duke it out. I think Crowell wins that battle, but I don't know. Um, Jaguars wide receivers, like I, I've already kind of stated, and like you stated too. Well, um, so let me just kind of not to run away from the Lions real quick. Sure. Nah, just kidding. That's another pun. But, uh, uh, um, what do you think about Legarrette Blunt being added to that team? I mean, they haven't had a thousand yard rusher or a hundred yard rushing game in so long. Do you think Legarrette Blunt changes the landscape for Theo Riddick and Abner Abdullah to kind of like be more productive because they're not going to be fatigued running through that crappy offensive line? Uh, no, I do not think he changes the landscape. As a matter of fact, I think that possibly LeGarrette Blunt is someone who could be a cut uh, by the end really? of training camp. Wow. Yeah, really? Wow. Surprise, surprise. Is a, I mean, he wants, I mean, he wants, he's the only player in the last decade to win back-to-back Super Bowls. 
I know, but I know he's also 31 years old. And as a bruiser running back, that's great. I mean, you can you can kind of hold up if you're a bruising running back, especially one who's more of a plotter like LeGarrette Blunt is. Coming out of college, he was a sprinter. Now a lot of people forgot. He did have his speed going into the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster. But, I man, I just 31 years old, when is that other shoe going to drop? I don't know. And with running backs, that, that – I mean, ask AP, you know, it's like 30, like he, life came at him fast. He was like the NFL rushing champ. And all of a sudden, uh, here, go to, uh, New Orleans for some peanuts. And then New Orleans was like, Hey, yeah, go to Arizona for some peanuts too. Cause we have this guy named Alvin Kamara. So I, I think he might be a surprising cut. I don't think he changes the landscape. I don't think he makes, um, so I don't think he makes Abdullah or Riddick try as hard. Is there going to sucker punch him out of, Oh, yeah, against Boise State. Good <laughs> reference. Good reference. I remember oh, that game. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I think they might so, end up sucker punching so, him and he gets cut. Uh, let me ask you a question. I, I think, for me, this is tough. Okay, so you have Dalvin Cook and you have Latavius Murray in Minnesota. I think sure. you still have this guy named Matt Asiata as well. But um, who do you think has more touches this year in Minnesota? Um, Man, that's a good question. I'm going to go ahead and lean towards Cook, um, even though Murray's looked fabulous during the actual preseason. Um, I think that Murray obviously gets the the, the totes more often than not uh, to start out the season, but I think as Cook kind of wanes on and and proves that, all right, durability's there, I'm fine, give me the rock. I think he's going to be on a lot more so than uh, than not. Uh, I know Kirk Cousins – Kirk Cousins loves his uh, his running backs, especially ones that can catch. I think Latavius and Cook can both catch, but I think Cook is the more dynamic. Uh, I think Murray will be the more dependable, but I think if, if Cook can come out and prove that he can be the uh, the stud workhorse that he was at FSU, I know last year's ACL was kind of more of a fluke than not. So hopefully the, uh, the tread on the tires is still plenty there, and they didn't rub him down bald pretty much at FSU. But I think that Cook ultimately gets more carries at the Minnesota backfield. Okay. In contrast to all that, what wide receiver group do you think is the strongest in the NFL fantasy-wise? Fantasy-wise? Uh, probably the Vikes. The Vikes have a proven quarterback. They also have two guys. I know that um, Thielen's coming off, I think, two consecutive 1,000-yard seasons as well as uh, – what's his name? Block his name out of my head. Number fourteen, uh, Stephon Diggs. Yeah, Stephon Diggs, who's yet to who yet to get a uh, a thousand yard season. But if he can stay healthy, Thielen's a warrior. Thielen's in, you know, day in day out, no matter what game. Diggs, if he can stay healthy, I think you have two legit, really good wide receivers. Arguably number one wide receivers, along with Kirk Cousins, along with Kyle Rudolph. So you're calling, you're calling Thielen a warrior? Is he like a spark plug, like a jitterbug kind of player? You think? No, I think well, I think he's more of a tryhard, uh, but in the same yeah, in the same aspect, I think he he's talented. He's not like an overachieving type of, of wide receiver. He's a, he's a dynamic wide receiver, and he's he's great at everything. He's great at, at route running. He's great at yards after the catch. He's great at catching. He he can do it all, um, and he can stay healthy, which is good. He's only had that one concussion last year, which was scary, uh, but I think he, I think both him and Diggs are awesome number ones to have on that team. In Lou of also having, uh, you know, cousins, cousins in the backfield, Cook in the backfield, Murray in the backfield. I think they have the most talented. So, what do you think of wide receiver roster wise? Who do you think has the strongest wide receiver core? Well, I think from a fantasy perspective, if Deshaun Watson can stay healthy, I think that uh, Will Fuller, the fifth, and DeAndre Hopkins yeah. are going to put up incredible numbers. They have a sure. video game offense when Deshaun Watson oh, yeah. is healthy. I think it's extremely underrated. I mean, I know we look at players like Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, that's one player on the team. Um, mm. You look at Mohamed Sanu in Atlanta, and he doesn't offer a lot of fantasy upside. And you look at uh, 
um, Sterling Shepard in, in, in New York, and he doesn't offer a lot of upside. I think that, you know, Will Fuller could be an amazing wide receiver one if he could learn the full route tree, but with Deshaun yes. Watson, he doesn't have to, you know? Yeah, he no. has an amazing... I don't want to say Michael Jordan-esque, but he's got this amazing dynamic athleticism about him that he can buy time. He can make it to DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is not open. Will Fuller, after five seconds, is uncovered. He's gone. He's, he's smoked, gone. yeah. He's, he's smoked, yeah. He is gone. So um, I think that that wide receiver group has a lot to offer, and I think Will Fuller in later rounds, because he's not really going very high, because he is a uh, boomer bust type player, is, yeah. uh, is another guy that we could look out for. I think another... A uh, surprising wide receiver group that could be interesting this year would also be the Ravens. Um, I think John Brown being over there adds a new dynamic to Joe Flacco, who he can throw one pass correctly, which is the deep ball. Um, <laughs> I think Michael Crabtree being there, which is, is a little ironic since he lost Super Bowl to them, as and then he joined them as a red zone threat after not being able to score in the red zone against them uh, in 2014 is interesting as well. So uh, I think that those players from those teams, Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, um, Michael Crabtree, and John Brown will be very, very good this year if their quarterbacks stay upright. No, I agree. I agree. I liked what you said about the Ravens too, because I think John Brown gives them what Brashad Perryman was drafted to give them. And Brashad's playing pretty well during the preseason too. So who knows how that pans out? Uh, I think, like you said, it's ironic that, you know, Crabtree joins them as their red zone target and he's going to get, he's going to command targets. So I think there's a lot of proven targets amongst everybody that we kind of listed uh, fantasy wise. So that's good. Um, switching over uh, to draft stock, who is rising, who is falling, uh, after our team position grades for wide receivers and running backs, uh, Le'Veon Bell, I've noticed him falling quite a bit and or quite in quite a few drafts to possibly RB three, RB four. Um, what do you think about that? Do you agree well, with it? So I know we, Jay, we, I, we talked about this in uh, in uh-huh. earlier podcast when we talked about Correct. our top running back picks and we went mm-hmm. you know first, second, third. So I think Todd Gurley. And a lot of people had Le'Veon Bell first overall. I think Todd Gurley is number one overall. He has no contract issues. He has no competition. He will be with the team next year. He knows the offense. I think mm-hmm. Connor, who's the um, incumbent to Bell next year, inevitably, Correct, because yeah. Bell will not be there. I think everyone's pretty confident about that. We'll get yeah. more play time. He needs to evolve and learn the playbook. They need to see what they have in him, and they need to see if they need to draft another running back next year. So I think he gets more play time. I think they split carries maybe 30-70. And I mm-hmm. think that we see them come out and they see uh, Le'Veon Bell lining up in the slot more often than not and with Connor mm-hmm. running at running back. So I think Le'Veon Bell, to me, he feels very third or fourth overall. I think he's behind David Johnson because David Johnson is a beast and can catch yes. the ball with finesse and run his every route in the book. He's a very intelligent running back, but also mm-hmm. a humongous human being. Yes. Um, and his injury no. has nothing to do with running the ball so he's pretty yeah. much in pristine shape he realistically has not done anything over the last year except make his body better and i think that Le'Veon bell is super banged up he is mm-hmm. ready for an acl tear at any minute of the day he's not gonna be the team next year and i think he's gonna drop yeah i think he's i think he's maybe a three or four overall guy no, I agree. I, I agree that also what Connor has looked like during the preseason. I mean, there's a reason why I think PFF graded him the most elusive back um, his senior year at Penn State. I mean, he just looks – I mean, he, he's not untouchable, but anybody who touches him with an arm tackle, he just breaks off their arm and just keeps running. So I think Connor looks phenomenal, and I think, like you said, they're going to want to see what they have more so in Connor because I don't think Le'Veon's going to be there as well. Um, I think if Le'Veon ends up playing on that franchise, he just plays on the franchise, and then next year he's gone. So I'm going to – 
I agree that it's going to be more 70-30 split. I think they're going to move around Le'Veon more as a chess piece and more as a distraction, as a look at me, as a, as whereas Connor will line more up in the backfield, um, possibly even on the same plays, like you said. Uh, I, I like David Johnson, too. I think his his wrist injury holds no repercussions on his future because you don't you do not run with your wrist you hold the ball with your wrist and that that'll hold up fine and where I was worried with David Johnson especially coming out of college he's always been a workhorse and I do not typically like drafting workhorse backs uh, that come out of college just because you do you don't know if the tread on the tire is still there yeah um, like, and, well, and we're seeing that with Sonny Michelle now in the Patriots exactly you know, he's not even in the league yet and he's getting knee surgery yeah, exactly. So I think David Johnson, he had a full year to like just to sit on, like just to sit, rest his legs. I think he's going to come out like gangbusters, and he's going to be able to do everything he needed, plus then some with an extra gear. And like you said, a gigantor human being with a, a million watt smile. So I think he's going to be flexing that smile all across the end he zone does. this year. Yeah, yeah. So well, let me ask you another question. We're talking about Le'Veon Bell rising, falling. How do you grade Jay Ajayi? I, I don't. <laughs> I really don't. I, just, I mean, it's like I So somebody, I want... one, of, one of my good friends, sorry to interrupt, one of my good friends texted me the other day. He has a keeper's league. He had Will uh-huh. Fuller at a 12th round grade, or he had Jay Ajayi at a 6th round grade. So he was going to lose that draft spot. if he. I told him my advice to him was, hey, listen, I feel like you keep Will Fuller. He won't be there at 12, in the 12th round. Yeah. I said, let J.H.I. go because there's so many good backs in this draft and J.H.I. has no cartilage in his knees. You don't know yeah. what's going to happen. When he pl- makes explosive plays, because he does make one or two explosive plays a game for 30 Correct. to 40 yards, but how long is that going to last? They also have Corey Clement, and they get Darren Sproles back this year. They don't have LeGarrette Blunt, so J.H.I. is their inside-the-five guy. Um, yeah. But what do you think about J.H.I. as far as is his drag stock rising or or falling after you know LeGarrette Blunt departs. He's on his last year of his contract as well. I mean, conventional wisdom would be saying that he's falling because I know Darren Sproles is coming back, but Darren Sproles is also like 85 years old. So I don't know if you're going to hold with stock with him because Corey Clement is everything that Darren Sproles is now at a much younger age. And that was one of my guys that I was, or that I wanted to watch last year coming out of Wisconsin. Corey Clement looked awesome during the preseason. And then, I mean, he tore it up against the Packers. Obviously, that's where I kind of found out about him in lieu of also being a Wisconsin fan. Um, but it's I, I, I don't see – I think his – Conventional wisdom says his stock would have risen, but I still do not see that just because, like you said, he has no cartilage in his knees or kneecaps. Yeah, he's good for a humongous game or two every now and again, uh, good for one humongous play every single game, but I don't see that lasting, nor do I see that holding up. Uh, so I think it's kind of a standstill. I would definitely take the fuller pick like you suggested more so than the Ajayi pick let him fall there's gonna be tons of other running backs that have less question marks than Jay Ajayi um especially with you know Wentz coming back who knows how you know that aerial assault's going to continue so with Jay Ajayi I I don't I'd say I don't grade him I I wouldn't take him in the six me personally I wouldn't oh good interesting interesting yeah, so with that, uh, I know with J.J. falling, we already kind of talked about A.B. falling right now, how you're looking forward to picking him possibly at 7 or 8, which would be nice. Uh, Saquon rising, he he rose up to, like I said, even like RB4 in a lot of uh, a lot of people's mocks, especially after the, the Browns game. But after the injury, I mean, they, they wrapped his leg for the entire week. I don't know if he falls a little bit. Do you think he falls, or do you think he just kind of sits still at where he's at right now? You know, I think I'm just – we're so spoiled from the amazing career that OBJ has had, and I don't know if you remember his rookie year. His hamstring gave him some issues as well. So he was held out for uh, the first couple games, but when he played – holy cow, was he electric. And I think that we oh, yeah. see that from Saquon, and his potential is much higher than uh, than 
I'm not saying it's higher than OBJ because OBJ has outperformed his potential, but Saquon is a physical specimen, um, not just a crisp route runner, but he plays every phase of the ball, and I think he might have a bone bruise that they're not letting on. I'm sure it's not fractured, otherwise he would be casted. So it might just be a bone yeah. bruise, and you know, just after a couple weeks, I think he'll be fine. I think he's worth the draft pick. I don't know if it justifies him rising. It doesn't make his fantasy value higher. It makes it exactly where it's at. I would still mm-hmm. draft him around 7 or 8. So if you're saying that it's more than it's probably a bone bruise that they're just not announcing, uh, then it's probably not c- coinciding with my theory of me not liking to draft uh, workhorse running backs coming out of college because he was the Penn State team for the longest time. Uh, so do you think that had any any you know if it isn't a bone bruise, do you think it had any uh, effects on doing that, or do you think it's it's more along the lines of what you think? Yeah, no, I don't think that uh, he did play. He was the heart and soul of that team, but I think when you uh-huh. look at the combine, you see his numbers. He's electric. He still moves great. His numbers are solid. He's crisp. He's fast. He runs route really well. Runs routes really well. I don't think that uh, he's feeling anything. Any of the like Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb. I mean, they both had an absurd amount of carries at UGA um, mm-hmm. and they combined for more than any other two backs that played for a single team last year in college football. I think that's where you get scared. You know, when cool. you have your backs toting the ball 250 times, times yeah. two. Um, so yeah, I, I think Saquon's going to be fine. All right. So, and then moving on lastly, our last, uh, last guy that we want to discuss your one of your man crushes in this year's draft, Alvin Kamara. I've seen him rising up to at, at least RB three, which is don't, crazy. Dude, for don't me. put I, me out like that. Come on, man. Hey, man, he I might just be totally listening. outed you. He might be I, yeah, yeah, I know. But yeah, it's, I, where do you do you think the? Well, I already know what you think, but for the fans' sake that are listening, do you think the the rise is justified, or do you think it's kind of being overblown a little bit? Well, I have Alvin Kamara at number five overall drafting. I think that's high for a lot of people. I believe that Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram are an amazing one-two punch. I think yes. if they can see um, what they can get out of some of their other backs, they can maybe trade Mark Ingram, and that would make Alvin Kamara even more valuable. I don't mm-hmm. think they can pay Mark Ingram again after they've seen what Alvin Kamara can provide. I think that uh, Mark Ingram is an interesting candidate to be traded. Um, I know Drew Brees loves him, and I know that he means a lot to the city of New Orleans, but um, I would keep Alvin Kamara there, and for the first four weeks of the fantasy season, if you're playing Alvin Kamara, you're winning a game, I think. Oh, sure. No, I think, like you said, the the volume for those first four games is, is everything. I don't know. I mean, he had durability questions at Tennessee, but there weren't humongous question marks. I know he transferred from Alabama over to Tennessee uh, just to kind of get that starting spot. And then Jalen Hurd came, and that's when there was a big issue between them. Uh, but I think with Kamara, I mean, those first four games, if you're starting him, yeah, he's going to give you 9 million points. Uh, and then and then from going on out after that, after Mark Ingram comes back, I think you said it best, they're the great one-two punch because not only are they a one-two punch, they're a one-two punch that can – help your fantasy team win if you have either of them because they're still going to both put up 20 points which is insane um so i think they both alternate they're both in on passing downs they're both in on running downs they, they can do it all yeah and then, so i think like you said i mean like we were talking about earlier with the steelers where you have Le'Veon bell line up in the slot no db wants to see alvin kamar in the slot no 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 yeah. no no, 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 yeah, no I, not at all I, I, I got to uh, I got to grade a New Orleans Saints versus Minnesota Vikings game last year in the playoffs, and I was surprised at how many times 
Uh, Kamara didn't just line up in the slot. He 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 lined up at the boundary wide receiver, the left wide receiver. He he flanked over to the right wide receiver. He, they, he was a true chess piece, and he was fun to watch, but also kind of <laughs> tedious to kind of keep task of where he was. But it wasn't that he was lining up as a decoy. He was getting those routes thrown to him. He's running slant and he's beating premier boundary cornerbacks off the line. Oh yeah, which is insane. We're not, and I would say arguably, and maybe inarguably, maybe outside of Jacksonville, Minnesota has the fastest, most talented cornerbacks in the NFL. Yes. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely agree. So I'm glad to see. I, I'm, I'm warming up to Kamara. I, I was all for him in the first round. I know during our initial uh, top first and second round mock draft that we did, when you draft them around like five or four, I can't remember. I know I was kind of blown away like, what are well, you, you had, doing? You had him at six. You had him at six. You weren't too well, I, But I was, started, I was starting to warm up to him at that point. But now it's just kind of like I'm I'm right in the bandwagon with you. You did a septal uh, piercing? Uh, yeah, I'm getting that one too. Yeah, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start wearing elbow tapes. So I'm gonna start looking good. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely warming up to him. I'm I'm fully aboard the bandwagon. So that was our last draft stock riser that we discussed. I know we discussed a few fallers, fallers falling as well. Uh, that concludes this episode of Dudes Talk Sports. Uh, I want to go and give a few social media shout outs. On Twitter, we are at Dudes Talk Sports. On Instagram, we are at Dudes underscore Talk Sports, and our website is Dudes dash talk dash sports.com i also have a sub thing where i talk about packers just packers only at packers select you can find me on all social media aspects at packers select as well as my website packerselect.com that concludes this episode chad say goodbye to the people this is dudes talking sports see ya